Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet, Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live with another episode of Post Daily Dose, the best little parenting show on the internet. I am not even going to try that microphone today. Um, and I've got folks who are going to come next week and uh, check out why it's not working right. So hopefully... We will get better sound and better recordings that will help with both our Facebook Live and then also our podcasts. Um, if you didn't know already, um, the Post Daily Dose is also featured on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and a couple of other places. And then we also um, post videos on our YouTube channel. And you can find us on YouTube at Post Institute and on all of those podcast channels as uh, Post Institute as well. Let me plug the books real quick. Brian's book from Fear to Love that you can pick up on promotion at feartolovebook.com, but you can also get it on our website as well as on Amazon. On our website, we have a little package where you can get both of these. I've noticed several people taking advantage of that. So this book right here, The Great Behavior Breakdown, you can find that on Amazon and also postinstitute.com. And then last but certainly not least, our brand new brand new hot off the press workbook that I will have delivered to our fulfillment center, aka my garage. <laughs> we'll have those in-house by April 7th is the delivery date I have been given. And so I am looking forward to be able to send those out. So my topic today has to do with what do you do when you have multiple children? I have a lot of families that I work with who have multiple children who come from traumatic backgrounds and who it can be so much. It can just be so much. Um, and part of what prompted this too is there have been a couple of graphics made um, that are related to Post Daily Dose. Hey, Carrie! Post Daily Dose that I did or that were earlier, I think maybe at the end of last week or the beginning of this week where we were talking about time out. And um, somebody said, yeah, but what about when you have multiple children? What do you do when you have several kids? And sometimes what happens, because our children are have such sensitive amygdalas, and then they also have oftentimes, oh, this is a tricky one, is that sibling rivalry. And whew, when sibling rivalry is at play, right underneath that is what can often be like real terror, like not just fear, but terror from that place of survival, of lack. If there are blueprints of, um, if there's malnutrition in the history, if there's womb trauma, um, if there's been neglect, then at the brain level, sometimes kids will feel like their siblings are in direct competition for their literal survival. So you will see like life and death level of sibling rivalry because it is coming straight from that, that brainstem trauma where that trauma is stored, the literal terror of there not being enough and that I, like literally in their brain, it literally feels like I am going to die. Like, like literally. Honestly, I have never been in a, well, I told you about being in that bank robbery 
So that sort of, I guess, sort of gives me an idea, but I, I don't feel like I have ever truly felt like I was going to die. And I don't know if any of you guys have felt that either, but your kids have, especially when there's infant neglect and there's womb, like if there's no um, little to no uh, prenatal care, um, if the pregnancy is super high stress, if there's drug use during pregnancy, um, one of the things, like the only thing that they, that, that's documented when we start talking about neonatal abstinence syndrome, which is the medical term for, uh, babies who are exposed to drugs in the womb. The statement, it's such a broad statement. It's that what the research says is a malformation of the emotional regulatory system. And really we see that in all of our kids. And so... What does malformation of the emotional regulatory system mean? Well, you know, we know we're talking about um, the amygdala. We're talking about the prefrontal cortex. We're talking about the hypothalamus. We're talking about hormones. We're talking about adrenal glands. And we're talking about um, my menopausal brain is completely out of line today so I'm having a little hard time like the thoughts are there but I can't put the words out of my mouth so I apologize hang with me we'll get there um anyway I don't have to worry about that word we'll get to it um so what we know is is trauma pre-birth and early life trauma has very profound impact on the brain and then when you have multiple children who come from tough places and if there's been issues of deprivation, they literally feel like they have to fight their siblings for their life, literally life and death. So the level of sibling rivalry can be extremely intense. So let's just talk about some ideas around all of that. Um, first of all, uh, as parents, that means our self-care becomes super important. And Carrie... <laughs> that just makes me think of your family and all that you carry and all that you, we had a beautiful consultation on Sunday and I really appreciate you sharing your family story. And, um, because it's so relative, you know, there we're coming, you know, we're trying to move out of the pandemic, but this was a family who was drastically affected by the pandemic early on that, uh, her husband, uh, became, sick with COVID and it was very, very scary. And thank God he is still with us. Um, there's lots, still more growth and still more recovery that needs to take place. But it was, uh, it was like terrifying for her children. It was just a big, you know, big time in their life. <sighs> yeah. Intense is putting it nicely. You, there's not a word. It's like blood curdling screams. It's like when they fight, the fight is like to death. It's like they literally do not feel like, like they literally feel like they're fighting for their lives. That's like to say that, like I, there's no way, like that's why sometimes I'm like, if you've not worked in this field or you don't have kids who've been through this kind of stuff, it is really hard for people outside of this world to engage in this kind of conversation because they're like, what? They don't get it. Like, they have no idea how real this is, but it is so 
real when you're living it and the level of intensity is so, oh my gosh. So first and foremost, your self-care is so important. It's so important because what is going to be asked of you during the waking hours of your children, which may be very extended because we have circadian rhythms that are all messed up. We have sleep cycles that are all messed up. We have uh, eating issues. We, I mean, like everywhere you turn, you're facing one thing after another and you've got multiple children experiencing all those different challenges and then maybe they're in different age frames so we have different maturation i mean it's woo right like man y'all are doing a lot of hard work this is no joke at all this is a big 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 deal and i don't know that there's any like i hope that there's other people in your world who get it i don't know that there's any very many people who come up and just talk about like okay it's real, it's a big deal, and it is hard. And when I'm talking about timeout and 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 some of the detrimental effects, and everybody's like, then what are we supposed to do? Well, let's talk about that. Let's just talk about that. And I'm not saying don't use timeout. I didn't that's not my message. My message though is you need to understand that when you send a child away with their upset feelings, that there may be some side effects. Just like psychotropic medications, they promise all this great remedy, but there are lots of big side effects that come with it. So if you feel like you need to, let's just cover that. If you feel like you need to use timeout, then <sighs> timeout's used. Use that also to get your own bearings. Get your own self-gathered. It's almost like timeout is really almost as much for you to get yourself back into alignment, back into peace, back into love. And then the child who has been sent to timeout, you go to that child and you sit with them and you just love on them. And you say, baby, I know that was really hard. That was a really hard stretch. Your brain must have felt like it was on fire. I wanna hear about what it was like from your perspective and have an exchange, have some conversation. And it's not about the words. It's about the, the posture of your heart. It's about your energy. And so whatever they're talking about, you know, whatever they're going on about what they were feeling or why they did or whatever, you're just lovingly listening. You're just lovingly listening because you're giving them an opportunity to process. And if you feel like there are things that you can lovingly point out, then that's wonderful. But mostly, it's just an op, just like we all need a chance to process. And if you listen as they're processing, so like Brian says, you know, Z is the behavior. So Z is that big eruption. But before Z, we have all the alphabet. And if you listen, you might find out that the trigger was something way over here was way over here. Or you might find out that it started with how I felt when I woke up this morning. It could be any number of things that that were the catalyst that got us to Z. So I wanna make sure you understand. I'm not saying don't use time out. I'd rather you use time in. I would rather you say, baby, why don't you come sit? It looks like you need to come sit next to me. And while they're sitting next to you, you're just creating that imaginary bubble that's including them 
and you're creating calm because the calm amygdala has the ability to create soothing for the dysregulated amygdala. So it could even be a, you know, they're just sitting there next to you. you might, maybe you can just rub their back and love on them a little bit. Just help them calm back down. Help them get back grounded, get back into the moment, get back into the present. They're not threatened. Everything's, everybody's safe. Everybody's going to be okay. There's plenty of love. There's plenty of food. There's plenty of toys. Remind them. And that is speaking, when you start talking about there being plenty of, then you're addressing that underlying issue of terror that there's not going to be enough food. I've known parents, one thing, if you have children who come from those places of that sort of neglect, then also doing things like setting out um, healthy snacks, setting out some nuts or some fruit or some little things, little finger foods that they can just come through and graze throughout the day or even a fanny pack where they can carry their little snacks with them so there's never a worry that they're not, that they're going to be hungry. They're, they're never going to have to feel afraid. Being hungry, hungry when you're a tiny baby creates a level of terror in your biology that very few of us know anything about except those little babies who've experienced it. So it is, for me, that's like a big opening up of empathy and awareness and understanding of where all this stuff really comes from. So when you have multiple children, first your self-care is of the utmost importance because they have lots of needs. So your rest and your nutrition is vital, vital, vital. Also, I personally find it extremely helpful if I get up 30 minutes to an hour before I have to meet anybody's needs because I need to get myself, I need to get myself through the transition of sleep to wake. So, in life cycles, there are lots of different transitions, and we know that um, children who come from tough places often have times with hard times with transitions. And two of the most significant transitions that we all go through in life every day is from sleep to wake, and then from wake to sleep. So, giving yourself as the parent a little bit of time before the demands of your children are being fed, you're being faced with the demands and the needs of your children can be really helpful. I also really like being able to go into my child's room and wake them with love. And so that's a great, you know, we talk about 10, 20, 10, time in, 10 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes after any significant separation so that you can help them get back into the culture of family, help them get regulated, from being out in the world. It's just a good way to connect and rejoin after that significant separation. And then 10 minutes at bedtime, 10, 20, 10. It's beautiful if you're able to do it. But if you don't have 10, maybe it's one, maybe it's two. But the position of your heart and your energy is the biggest factor. And so, you know, to be able to go in in the morning and wake them up with some loving touch, maybe rubbing the back. I used to love rubbing the back of the head because I think, you know, back here in the brainstem, that's right where the brainstem meets the brain, right? And so I'm just like really literal and I'm just loving right here and I'm speaking life. And in speaking life, it might it might not even be my words. Like I'm not out and even say anything. 
I might just have an energy of how much I appreciate them, how valuable and beautiful I see them being. They're quirky, unique characteristics. And one of the things that that's doing in having that mindset is it's starting, if, if nothing else is happening, it's starting off my heart posture towards this child for the beginning of this day in a position that says, I really love you and I see you. I really see you for the person that you are and the person that you're becoming and I adore you and I love you. I think about um, think about that look that we have for babies that, oh my God, you know, and they're created so we just fall in love with them, the big eyes and the cheeks and just a, that adoring gaze. A lot of our kids didn't get enough of that. And just that simple adoring gaze or just that adoring heart posture can really help start the day off in a great way. So we've started the day. Everybody's got a little bit of time from us, a little bit of love to get moving. So as the day goes on, I am a big prevention as much as possible person. When you have multiple children, it is so helpful when you can have, th it's like being the great conductor, right? So the more you can do things that we're all kind of moving in the same flow, maybe we're all doing a craft together. Like we may not be doing the same thing, but everybody's kind of sitting down doing something similar. So that way you have the ability to help keep the energy more calm. You have the ability to see what's going on before we get to Z. You have the ability to sort of have your finger on the pulse of the exchanges and where things are going off rail. And so it, it really, you know, it kind of helps just to rent, keep everybody regulated because you're present. Your presence helps keep everybody regulated. Now, once everybody's kind of in flow and you feel that safety and everybody's good, you might be able to snap away and get everybody a snack. You might be able to step away and make a sandwich, or you might not. You know, it's like that trust what you know about your child, trust what you know about your children. Now, eruptions are going to happen. They're going to happen. When they do, always attend to anyone who's injured first. If there's a physical altercation, attend to whoever's injured first. Sometimes just the sheer attending to ever whoever's injured can really create, like we, we talk about natural consequences. And so when there's an eruption, one of the natural consequences of the eruption are the upset feelings of the other people. And that one within itself can be something that can help shift aggression. It can help shift whatever mean, hurtful words got said. So when somebody cries, sometimes the crying within itself is like a natural consequence. Now, when we operated the group home in Virginia, we have this house full of adolescent boys who have all this, you know, all this history of trauma. And there were many times when our daughter, Marley, who was three, four, and five during that, she would be around those kids. And if they did something that scared her or upset her, she would cry. And so the evidence of the empathy of even these teenagers who've been through so much stuff, it was so amazing to watch them respond 
to her tears. Like they immediately, because, you know, they're used to, what they're used to would be people fighting back or being mean back and being da, 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 da. But when you have this little girl who cries like anybody would, it, it spoke to the baby within them that probably wanted to cry about a lot of things and never felt like they could. And it just dropped us all into this place of comforting and attending to the one who was hurt. And then once the person who's hurt has been attended to, then you can attend to the person who has inflicted the pain. And you can just ask, like, where did that come from? Where did that come from that you felt like you needed to do that? And so when you ask it in that way, so then your heart posture is almost as sympathetic and empathetic and curious for the wounder as it is for the wounded because we know that the wounder is experiencing pain too, that that behavior came out of a place of pain. And so in that manner, you're actually addressing everybody's pain in some way. It's just that you have to address it from the highest need on down. And so you're addressing everybody's pain because the behavior, all that behavior came out of hurt, out of some sort of hurt, a feeling that there was going to be a lack or that something was going to be unfair or there was going to be mostly unfair and a feeling of lack. It's as I'm sitting here saying it, it's those are two, like when you boil it all down, those are two real basic ones. A feeling of lack, something being unfair, or disrespect. A feeling that you've been disrespected. And so again, you know, you may in that moment, if everybody's lit and everybody's on fire, you may need to literally have everybody go to their room. Yes, I get that. And then you can go to everybody individually and process with them a little bit and get back on track and come back together. So I hope that that sort of shines some light into that. Um, I really am a big, I am a very involved parent, very. Um, so um, I always felt like until my children were able to play independently without there being frequent eruptions, then that told me they needed me present and it didn't matter about their chronological age. Chronological age really doesn't have anything to do with it because when our children, when they are playing with their peers or they're playing with their siblings, they regress. When they're playing with adults, they tend to stay more regulated. So whether you're actually playing with them whether you're getting an activity started and then letting them sort of take over, but you're kicked back and present, you know, it can look a lot of different ways depending on the age of your children. But your adult presence is a tremendous regulating component to the sibling interactions or the peer interactions. I honestly, I can remember, I think, probably, and you know, my daughter didn't experience a lot of the same kinds of traumas. Her traumas were more medical, but uh, I don't remember letting her and her friends play like extendedly by themselves with the door closed until like almost tween, like the early teens. 
there was, a, because they also liked interacting with me still. So it was like, as long as they still liked having me be a part of, then by all means, I want to do that. And by me being a part of, you're able to teach them about how to relate and, you know, how to get along with each other and how to communicate and how to play nice. And, you know, it, you're a, you're, your calm amygdala and your involvement has the ability to create increased harmony. And of course, you want to share yourself. Like, you don't want to, like, always sit by the same... Well, I say that. Generally speaking, you want to spread yourself around. But I will also say that sometimes there there's one person... There's one person who seems to... Um, uh, there, there may be something in their brainstem that sort of enjoys that friction. I don't know if you guys have ever met that child or if you have that child who seems to, people call them the, the pot stirrers, you know, the one who stirs the pot and gets everything going and then kind of sits back and seems to enjoy it. Why that happens is because there may be something from their history where that vibration of sort of that chaos and that <laughs> it's familiar to them. It may feel good to them at a level that you are not comfortable with. And that's not very healthy. And so that child, that may be the child who needs to sit in the front seat when you guys are going someplace. That may be the child that you need to, that needs to sit next to you during mealtime. That may be the child that you do need to sit next to when you're doing things. So trust what you know about your children and trust that the great, the calm, more mature amygdala literally has the ability to create calm for the more distressed, more sensitive amygdala. And your presence helps keep them at a um, at closer to um, their chronological age in terms of their maturation. When you're not present and they're engaged in sibling play, keep that door open, keep your heart attuned because it can go south real quick right? And the reason it goes south real quick is because they regress. They regress really quick. And if there's a history of, of, of neglect, a history of being left alone for long periods of time, your, just your very absence of leaving the room could fire up something in their brain that is a trigger to when they've been left for very extended periods of time. And so something in their brain may light up and get very frantic and all that deprivation and lack that's associated with that will get activated in that moment. And bam, here we are, two siblings feeling like there's not going to be enough and the fight's on. So your presence is so important. <laughs> no pressure there, right? No pressure. I know it's a lot. I know, it's a big deal. And you guys work really hard. I know, every day you work really hard to help them heal from those wounds. I really wanna encourage you guys. I know in the day in and day out, we can get really kind of caught up in that strife. So I wanna encourage you guys to take some deep breaths and just imagine expanding your chest and expanding your heart to remember where they come from, to remember what they've experienced to remember and imagine what might be going on for them at the brain level that makes these things different for them than it is for kids who haven't had these kinds of early life traumas. Open your heart, exercise your empathy, and from that space, I think you can get more creative about how to sort of organize your day 
around the fact that you have multiple children who have multiple needs and all of the needs are very high needs. And so, much love to you guys, much appreciation, blessings, prayers, deep thoughts of love being sent to you right this minute. And if you haven't already done so today, <laughs> put everything you've been worried about to the side. Push pause. Push pause on all those feelings of rejection, dirty looks that you may have gotten at the grocery store, lack of understanding from teachers, lack of understanding from extended family, any of that stuff where people just don't get it. They just don't get it. They don't understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish and how you are literally working day to day to create literal Literal healing at the brain level with the love that you're pouring in to your children. Put all that aside. Take some deep breaths for yourself. Remind yourself how amazing you are. Go spend some time with your babies. And if it just needs to be relaxed time where you watch them play, that's fine. Let the love you have for them shine from your eyes. Let them feel it from your body. Just the posture of your heart, of adoring them. Remember, in any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. The world blueprints, those are the, that's the world. Eh. Take one to two to three deep breaths. Literally ask for supernatural peace and love to enter your being. Feel the calm enter your body and choose love. Much love to you guys. I hope you guys have a blessed night and we will see you all tomorrow.